0: Good morning and welcome to Health Watch. I'm Dr. David Naiman, your host. Today's guest is Dr. Pina Legidice. Dr. Legidice is a naturopathic physician and acupuncturist in New York, a past vice president of the New York Association of Naturopathic Physicians, and a co author of the third and fourth editions of the textbook of natural medicine. She is a faculty member at the National Gourmet Institute for Food and Health in Manhattan, a consultant for Earth Mama Angel Baby, a company that formulates natural products for pregnancy and early motherhood, and she makes regular appearances as a natural medicine health expert on shows like The Dr. Oz Show. Dr. Pina Lujudice is here today on Health Watch to talk about her guide, The Little Book of Healthy Beauty. Welcome to Health Watch, Dr. Pina.
1: Thank you so much for having me it's a pleasure
0: so in the opening of your book you talk about your mom being an inspiration for writing it Um, what about your mom was such an inspiration that it made you write a book on this topic
1: well the whole idea that of what I wanted to write the book is you know there's many people who don't have access to natural medicine and naturopathic physicians so I wanted to put in a book Um, everything that I tell my patients every day, and a lot of things that inspired me to get into the field of natural medicine was what my mother taught me, and so she's a, a Sicilian immigrant, and she, you know, always gave us good whole foods, and she turned to natural medicines when, you know, our tummies weren't feeling good, and if you see her today, she really, you know, someone who's 73 years old really is a picture of health and vitality, so um, it was. She was. She's always has been a big inspiration for me.
0: Well, you, it seems like one of the questions that the the little book of healthy beauty is is trying to answer, or at least interrogate, is why some people seem to age really gracefully and stay strong and functional, and others look far older than their age. Um, and this seems particularly pressing you, right now because you cite a, a New England Journal of Medicine study. From 2005 that says it's the first time that babies being born aren't living as long as their parents. Can can you talk a little bit more about longevity science or or what you term also as GLOW and, and how people who are aging well tend to exude GLOW?
1: Sure. Um, so basically, the whole idea of what I define as glow is that indescribable look of vitality, that vibrancy that someone that emanates from someone when they're feeling grounded and they're feeling good and they're feeling healthy. Um, so that's what I call that that glow. Um, and with, you know, with that, they have done lots of studies about longevity, especially in the areas of the world called the Blue Zones. So the Blue Zones are these certain parts of the world where people live well beyond past the years of, of 100 years old. And so there's places in, in southern uh, Italy, there's places in Asia, there's places in California. And so what they did is that they researched these people as to what allows them you know, to live so long. And what they found is that when they took on a Mediterranean diet, ate whole foods, you know, lean meats, simple carbohydrates, they were very strongly connected with their community, um, they were able to live longer. You know, with that study that you had mentioned about children, you know, when I first read that study, I thought this is probably the biggest travesty, you know, there is, and many people don't even know uh, th- that research study, which, you know, to me, it should be blaring on the news. Um, but the reason why children aren't living as long as their parents is because of what we're feeding our children. A lot of the environmental toxicities, a lot of the nutrient depletions. So there's a lot. So children are now, unfortunately, developing uh, chronic adult diseases at a much much earlier age, and so unfortunately, it's preventing that life longevity as you know as we all would hope to have.
0: You start the book, the little the little book of healthy beauty, with sleep, and you talk about how uh, poor sleep can increase the risk for all sorts of illnesses, from high blood pressure, diabetes, depression, and cancer, which are just a few of many. Uh, can you talk about how you approach sleep with your patients? Something that is um, fraught with difficulty for a lot of Americans, in particular.
1: Yeah, it is very difficult for a lot of people, unfortunately, and that's why I put it as the first uh, of, my mas- of my six master keys. Because you know, someone could ha- can exercise wonderfully and have a pristine diet, but if they're not sleeping, unfortunately, it is going to age them and it is cause is, is going to cause chronic inflammation in the body. Um, because what happens is that when we sleep, it's our only ability that our body has, or the time has our body has to detoxify. Our brain detoxifies, our body detoxifies. So without that sleep, you're going to have a chronic inflammation, and then that's where genes can get, you know, misfired. So what I do with my patients is first and foremost is I discuss various lifestyle factors in terms of okay, first of all, let's make sure your bedroom is set up appropriately. You know, is your bedroom just a huge, like, garbage dump? It's about, you know, cleaning it up. Um, you know, you shouldn't be watching TV in bed. You shouldn't be looking at electronics in bed. Um, so kind of like those lifestyle behavioral things, I always work with patients and making sure that their room is extremely dark and there's not a lot of um, extraneous light coming in that can interfere with their circadian rhythm.
0: You, you you quote a 17th century poet who said, uh, an hour of sleep before midnight is worth three after. And while you didn't necessarily endorse the specific calculus of that, you you said there was a, a kernel of truth in that saying. Could you talk more about why? getting the same number of hours of sleep after midnight is not the same as getting them earlier?
1: Beforehand, right. So ideally, I tell my patients to go to sleep, uh, you know, the ideal time is around 10, 10.30. Because what happens is that just because of how our hormones are... All our hormones have a rhythm to it. And so when you're going to bed past, uh, let's say, 1030, um, you're elevating your stress hormone of cortisol because, you know, we like the animals are supposed to go to bed when the sun goes down and wake up when the sun comes up. Um, We're still wired that way. So staying up later then we're supposed to, you're inherently going to elevate your stress hormone of cortisol. And then people are like, oh, wait, then I'm just a night owl. I could just now stay up for a few more hours. But effectively what you're doing is increasing inflammation. So even though you're going to bed, let's say at midnight, your body still doesn't go through those same detoxification processes, you've elevated your stress hormone. So unfortunately, it really isn't the same type of restorative sleep as if you went to bed prior to midnight.
0: And and then what about exercise? I know that there's been conflicting information over the last decade or two around whether exercising near bedtime is a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, Do you have any thoughts on exercise?
1: Right. I mean, there there is a lot of conflicting information. I mean, I think the the rule is is that if you can get exercise in when you can get it, and then still go to bed at a decent hour, you know, it's definitely better to exercise when you can. You know, it's just if people are exercising, you know, because they feel like they have to and their bodies are already depleted, I would rather them go to bed first and really get that sleep rhythm down because then inherently what's going to happen is that they're going to want to rise earlier, which would give them that morning exercise time. So that's the preferred way. But if, again, if depending on like family and schedule and work schedule, um, if only can, someone could work out at six o'clock, it's still fine as long as it doesn't interfere with their sleep
0: so we don 't see sleeping pills being recommended in the sleep section, and I was curious uh, what your thoughts are on them as an intervention to help people either fall asleep or stay asleep um, are you are they are there absence in your book uh, because of specific downsides
1: Well, yeah, I mean research shows that people who take uh, sleep medications even three times a week um, actually have um, are more likely to uh, die sooner than those who don't do that. So, when, so what I always recommend always do natural remedies before... Um, you know, trying to revert to pharmaceuticals. So whether it's you know getting the sleep behavior down, there's so many different foods that ha- can help with sleep, like oatmeal and bananas and um, um, their Montmorency cherries. Or then, uh, then if that still doesn't work, then I have patients. Um, you know, then go through the natural supplements. There's so many different things from melatonin, tryptophan, passionflower, glycine, magnesium. There's so many things that. Um, patients can use, and, if, and especially if I also have a perimenopausal or postmenopausal woman, um, hormonal dysregulation plays a huge uh, factor in sleep disruption. So I always would want to have someone address that as well um, with regards to regulating their sleep.
0: In case you just tuned in, we're talking today to naturopathic physician and acupuncturist, Dr. Pina Judice, about her book, The Little Book of Healthy Beauty. Well, let's pivot to food and digestion in relationship to uh, aging gracefully. Um, what are some of your thoughts in, in, in that section of your book and, and how you, you begin your approach with patients?
1: Well, with regards to someone's food and what they're eating and their diet, you know, there's, there's, there are a few areas that people have to look at. I think most people are, you know, with the media conscious of like, okay, I shouldn't have, you know, sodas or things with high fructose corn syrup or things that are overly fried. Um, so it's it's really, it goes beyond just that. So not doing those things, obviously, is profoundly helpful and important, but it's also about how are you preparing your food? What food choices are you making? You know, I tell patients whenever possible. Um, you know, always try to get organic. Um, do take on that Mediterranean diet because there's just an outstanding amount of information on the health benefits of taking on a Mediterranean diet in terms of lowering heart disease, diabetes, cancer prevention. It helps uh, your skin. It helps anti aging. It's there's so many reasons why Mediterranean diet is important so then with patients you know, I try to veer them that way. And then if they have a specific health issue, whether they have digestive issues or autoimmune issues, um, and I need someone to go on, let's say, a gluten-free diet or a dairy-free diet, it's so much easier for that person to follow that program once they've made the initial positive changes in terms of moving their diet towards a Mediterranean diet.
0: And could you be more specific about what you mean by the Mediterranean diet? I, I, I think a lot of people might just think that you, say, eat more pasta, for instance.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, no. Yeah, so the Mediterranean diet, um, no, what, what I'm talking about is having lean meats, such as like chicken, fish, and turkey, having legumes. Um, having uh, you can have carbohydrates like in terms of a minimal amount of let's say brown rice or quinoa or millet um, plenty of uh, dark leafy greens really all sorts of vegetables having fruit a couple of times in the day not too much fruit either because again fruit is still sugar Um, and so that's the, the basic diet so very simple not a lot of you know what people think if they if they took a trip to Italy or Greece or Spain, you know, the diet that they would be eating there. It's it's not a lot of pasta. Not that they don't have any, but really in the European countries, pasta is a first course. So it's really a very small plate. It's not that what we think of here that people are ordering pasta for their entrees where they're getting this very large portion. So the the those simple carbohydrates are, are only offered in limited quantities. And so you want to focus your meals like that.
0: Well, one of the things that you highlight in the in the food section is the use of turmeric, and I was I was hoping you would talk a little bit about why you foreground turmeric, uh, what are, what its advantages and benefits are with regards to digestion, and then its relationship to aging.
1: Right. So turmeric has, you know, you know, as a naturopath, there's so many herbs that you say that oh, I love that, and I think that's great, but really as a great, great standout, and I really think people in the media are catching up to talking about uh, turmeric. So in turmeric, there's a component in it called curcumin, and what they're finding is that cum- curcumin, or what's in turmeric, um, is a very strong anti-inflammatory for our body. And so adding turmeric to our, to your meals, whether it's in, through, like through the spice itself or taking it even as a as a as a supplement Um, it lowers heart disease it prevents cancer it helps people with autoimmune issues it helps people with joint pain so I mean I hate to say something is like a panacea, but it really does work so beautifully um, for so many different health issues that I'm recommending it constantly. And, you know, and and it's a great thing to also get, you know, in your food. So, like, you know, when I make oatmeal in the morning for my family, um, I'm adding... Uh, turmeric to it. So it has this nice yellow color, but, you know, we're getting it through food as if not in a supplement.
0: So does that mean you're actually buying the root and Chopping off a little chunk and sticking it in the water when you're boiling the oatmeal, or well, how does that tumer- work?
1: No, with the oatmeal, I'll use the tum- it's already grounded powder. I buy an organic uh, turmeric powder, so I buy that, you know. Because again, as a mom on the go and busy, um, I do buy the turmeric powder to put in food. I will buy the fresh turmeric root, and I can use that, and I'll make like a. Um, like a rice dish with coconut and, uh, you know, coconut oil and, you know, it's yummy. So I so I will do that. And also I can make it even a little less, make it with a tea. So I could add the, a turmeric root with some fresh ginger and I can make that as a tea as well. So there's lots of different ways um, that you can use the, the turmeric root itself or you could buy it pre-ground.
0: You also talk about how the way things are cooked, not just what you choose to eat, is important for um, our appearance as we age and also just our general health as we age. Uh, Can you talk about perhaps the most egregious uh, ways of cooking to avoid or, or the optimal ways to cook?
1: Yes, absolutely. So basically, you know, many people think, you know, You know, when people read a lot of um, weight loss, diet, or how to be healthier, there's a lot of information about grilling your foods um, because I think most people know that frying your food is is not the healthiest. Um, And the reason why actually grilling is not as healthy and definitely not frying is that it creates these things called ages, which is this advanced glycated end products. And so what happens when you're high-heating a food, let's say grilling chicken for example um, the sugars uh, in the pro- and, in the chicken meat in the protein they combine and they and they create this cross linking and what happens is that that cross linking um, produces this inflammatory component called ages and what they 're finding is that when you have a high amount of these ages you have more inflammation in the body it actually can cause a, a joint stiffening it actually can cause stiffening in your Uh, blood vessels like atherosclerosis so how you're cooking your foods is extremely important so you don't want to be just you know grilling everything thinking that okay you're going to take away the fat really the best way to cook your food is either like a slow cook through a crock pot um, or a stew um, or a lightly saute not too high of a heat so when the food uh, doesn't hit too much of a heat it prevents these ages
0: in case you just tuned in, we're talking today to naturopath and acupuncturist Dr. Pina Lajudice about her book, *The Little Book of Healthy Beauty*. In your exercise section, you you talk about exercise studies for longevity, but you also talk about exercise studies for skin health and skin appearance. Can you talk a little bit about the relationship between exercise and and skin?
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, many. You know, everyone knows that. You know, nothing does for your body what exercise does in terms of preventing numerous num- uh, amounts of diseases. Uh, but it, it's not really up until recently that they found that actually when you exercise, it can reverse the skin aging process. Um, so for they did this one study out of Copenhagen where I know it's actually an interesting study where they studied um, – people from their 40s to 80 years old, people who were active and people who were sedentary. And what they found is that when they put everyone on an exercise program, just even just minimal, two to three times a week, and what they did before the study started is they actually tested the skin on the buttocks of everyone. So... um, so they kind of took out this factor of, of ultraviolet radiation and how that impacts the skin and its aging. So when they took the piece of buttocks and then they had these people exercise um, for two to three days a week and they did that for a couple of months and then what they did is that then they restudied the skin of the buttocks of their um the, of the people in the study, and they actually found that the people who exercised the two to three times a week week had the skin collagen integrity like a twenty to twenty to thirty year old. So it actually reversed the aging of the skin. And I found another article recently that you know first they didn't even know why the skin reversed, but there is some immune system components um, that may contribute to this skin reversal, which is really amazing. That
0: is really interesting. And in one of your sections, you devote to detoxification and and you state that everyday environmental toxins will accelerate the aging process. Could you talk about what some of the more significant ones are and, and perhaps what one would consider doing about it?
1: Right. Well, I think the most significant part of environmental toxins, I think, that everyone knows about is cigarette smoking. Um, And I think if they also announced this on the news, it would be big news that, you know, and they did find that, you know, if nobody in the world smoked more, you know, 90 percent of the cancers wouldn't even exist. So, you know, smoking tobacco smoke is a huge chemical burden on um, not only the person who smokes but on everyone else around so so smoking like it's obviously a hu- quitting smoking is a huge thing um, eating the organic foods is extremely important minimizing perfumes um, and any you know, um, cosmetic toxins, like things that aren't all natural, because um, that places a huge burden on the skin. Household cleaners places a burden on our body. Uh, there's just, you know, so many different areas. And unfortunately, our world is a lot more toxic, let alone the environmental pollution that we're breathing from industry. But what we do on a day-to-day, like even the plastics and the water bottles uh, impact our physiology. So there's a lot of different areas that I pinpoint in my book that people can look at and address of like, okay, where can they really clean it up?
0: And and does the book then also uh, discuss how to put together a detox regimen if somebody was exposed to something and they want to um, do a cleanse?
1: I describe it loosely because the first thing I say with detoxification is obviously if you 're on multiple farm you know pharmaceuticals, you always do want to talk to your physician first to make sure that you know because when you do a detox, it can impact the um, way your body metabolizes the The pharmaceuticals. So really, you know, safety is first and foremost. So I always tell people to, you know, discuss with their physicians. Um, I do discuss in my in my book about you know which water like which is the better clean uh, water to drink. About what are the better foods to do. So I kind of have this very light detox program in terms of how to stop the incoming insult. um, Basically, you know, how to quit smoking. Like I give some ideas like the lotions. what are the sources of the air pollution that you can fix? And then I'll go through some of the, fav- uh, the foods that are good to include in the detox program. So you could do a very light detox program if you've never done one before, which I have in my book. Um, and there are obviously more um, intensive detox programs that I do put patients on, let's say like a 14-day or 21-day detox to really get their body in optimal health.
0: I'm sure it wouldn't surprise people to learn that one of your sections is on stress and relaxation and that stress is, is a factor with regards to how rapidly we age or appear to be aging. What would be some of the, the go-to uh, techniques that you prefer with your, your patients in terms of starting to address a maladapted stress response?
1: Right. So the big thing, you know, I think everyone, I mean especially in, in today's world, it's so crucial to have times of quiet and peace to you know, so that you could rest and relax. Because really, you know, from my experience, when you're quiet and you have a you know, have that time of stillness, it's really where the insight and the wisdom comes in of really what you know, what your heart desires. So um, what I always recommend is obviously spending time in nature. It, there's just, you know, there's so much research about the health benefits and how it relaxes our nervous system, what it does for our stress hormones, when you just literally just walk into, into nature. There's actually a, a, a Japanese reverence for nature takes um, form of, uh, of a practice called forest bathing that basically they even studied this, that people who walked into the forest. Just and and just to kind of be immersed in the trees and nature, uh, that they lowered their heart rate and their blood pressure, which was pretty remarkable. Um, And then, very simply, I have patients meditate. I write down some ideas on how to meditate in my book. There's even uh, apps out there that you know that have these guided meditations that I have people do. And 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 doesn't and people think about meditation, they're like, oh, I don't have an hour to sit. It doesn't need to be an hour. Like I meditate twice a day, and I do. It, let's say 5 minutes in the morning and I do a longer one before bed because I have the time then and it's just so it's profoundly grounding it's it just brings a place of peace and balance and you know a lot of people say when I exercise I feel like I meditate when they're going for a run and that that's all good um so all of those things work. I mean, even if sometimes people's getting a massage, like it, these are the things that what you need to do for yourself to recenter and refocus. And and what it does is it keeps that stress hormone cortisol at bay, so that again it prevents inflammation in the body.
0: Well, we don't unfortunately have a lot of time to discuss your section on on supplements where you talk about things people could take for varicose veins or for thinning hair or for wrinkles, but perhaps you could just pick one or two and and, and give our uh, listeners a, a glimpse at what this section is talking about.
1: Well, yeah, basically. So I go. So you know, people have come into my office. Obviously, with can come in with bags and bags of supplements, and they don't know what to take. So in the book, I talk about are supplements uh, safe and what to look out for, um, and what I do recommend for everybody are my basic three supplements, um, and which is a multivitamin, a fish oil, and a probiotic. And I say to patients like, if that's only the only three things that you take, that would be the most amazing thing that you do for. Your- health. Um, There's research out of Harvard that people who take a multivitamin every day have increased longevity by 10 years, which is amazing. Um, And I do feel like people do need a multivitamin because of the amount of environmental toxicity and the amount of pollution. And because of our stress levels, we do go through vitamins uh, much more quickly. Um, I do feel that everyone does need a fish oil, um, a very high quality distilled fish oil, um, because again, it's a beautiful anti-inflammatory. We need those good healthy fats for good hormonal balance, for good brain, uh, brain function, preventing Alzheimer's and dementia. And then lastly, uh, a, a very good high quality refrigerated uh, probiotic because the probiotic with, you know, over 75% of our immune system is in our digestive tract and having appropriate flora uh, not only helps our healthy digestion, it helps balance our immune system, it actually balances our skin health it's it's great for, so it's actually good for our heart, so so many areas um, that these three things alone will help with health and longevity. And then if someone wants to fine tune and like, okay, I want to add in vitamin D or turmeric, they could add those things in and I, I discuss that also in the book and I also discuss other, um, some other sp- skin care specific supplements that I also recommend in my practice.
0: So can you point our, our listeners to a website of yours if people wanted to read more about you or look more into the book?
1: Sure. There's, I have a couple of websites. So I have my practice website that I have with my husband, which is InnersourceHealth.com. So that's I-N-N-E-R-S-O-U-R-C-E, Health.com. And then I have my own website of Dr. Pina, N-D. So that's D-R-Pina, that's P-I-N-A, and then dot com. Well,
0: it's a real pleasure to have you on Health Watch, Dr. Pina.
1: Oh, thank you so much. It's a real honor. Thank you.
0: We are talking today to Dr. Pina Le Giudice, the author of The Little Book of Healthy Beauty. You've been listening to Health Watch. I'm Dr. David Naiman, your host. Stay tuned for the rest of the Monday morning radio scene.